Once forged in the fires of PR and journalism, Curtis Dewar and Corey Westbrook united to create C-Squared. Then I jumped on the bandwagon. I'm your host, Aaliyah, and this is Heavy Business, a podcast where we talk to music industry professionals and musicians and learn together about the music industry, marketing, and other tools that can help you promote the music you put so much effort into creating. Hello and welcome. This is Heavy Business. I'm Aaliyah. And I'm Curtis. And today we are here with the marvelous Vicky Sarakis of Sixth Sense. And we're here to talk in her words about her path in the music industry and Sixth Sense. Um, welcome to the podcast again, Vicky. Thanks for coming on again. Thanks for having me again. It was a, it was a really cool experience the first time. I like what you guys are doing. Thanks. I, I just hope that it helps people and other bands and such. So I'm glad that we can talk a little bit. It's going to be really interesting to talk about Sixth Sense as an independent band. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm really excited to get into that. But before we get into that, I kind of want to ask a little bit of an odd question. Like, what is the untold story of your path in the music industry? Oh, that's a pretty big question. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you can take a little time to answer this because this was something you mentioned wanting to talk about um in that original tweet that prompted me reaching out to you oh yeah 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 I, I do remember tweeting something like that yeah <laughs> oh it's just such a general question I wouldn't even know where to start um well maybe like the things that people don't know about you like people know some really yeah. public things about you but maybe some less commonly known things about your roles in the music industry yeah, so I feel like, you know, my my more dedicated community that shows up on my streams and my Discord and Patreon and all that, they've heard this stuff a million times, but it's always new to someone else, to someone that's just, you know, a passive listener. Um, I would say, I guess the biggest thing about me is um, how I got into music. It wasn't it wasn't there's no background like musical background whatsoever um no one in my family is a musician or can even sing and um it wasn't something that i imagined myself doing i just kind of fell into it and um i remember the first time i thought about it seriously i was already i want to say 19 or 20 years old and i was going through a, a really difficult time in my life and um, I hadn't eaten for like three days, which is something I never do. Usually I, I when I'm really upset, I eat a lot of food. Yeah, I can relate to that. <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was a tough time. I couldn't even eat. I couldn't keep it down. So the only thing that snapped me out of it was writing my first song. And um, at the time, I didn't have all this. Um, I had like the old school Yamaha keyboard with the five octaves that doesn't even connect to a computer. And um, I was using Guitar Pro at the time and I would just play the notes on the piano and then go to my laptop and like input them manually. Very tedious, like I, I can't do that anymore. Um, and I was just like, I have no, um, right now I do know a bit of music theory and arrangement and just, I have a lot of experience, but at the time I had nothing of that. And it was just all here in my head. And I was just singing these melodies and um, converting them into notes. I didn't even know what that was at the time. And 
I just created this piece of music that was instrumental, no vocals or anything like that. And um, once that was done, I felt like that snapped me back into reality. And um, it's just, it's one of those, I think, powerful moments because sometimes you don't know why these things happen to you and what it is that you have inside you that like causes this to happen. Um, because everyone has a different story, of course. And I think no two stories are ever identical. Um, but in my case, it was just more like, I think a lot of things in my life led me here. And it wasn't that I necessarily went out of my way. I just went along with it. I was like, let the ocean take me with it, you know? <laughs> um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot more I could say about that. But it's just, that's, I guess, the really big moment that a lot of people don't know about. Yeah, yeah. Kind of makes me think of the Moana song, How Far We'll Go, <laughs> yes. or whatever. Yeah. Funny enough, I've also covered that song. So. <laughs> oh, man. I don't think I've listened to that one, but I'm sure it's awesome because I've listened to a lot of your covers and they're, yeah, they're very you. excellent. Thank you. <laughs> um, so let's go ahead and dive into Sixth Sense then. Can you tell us like the origin story of Sixth Sense and what the uh, vision was? When you started it yeah uh six cents was like again something that just kind of happened we didn't i didn't go out of my way um to to start a new band um it was the end of 2017 and i had just gotten back from a european tour and uh, my husband robbie at the time was looking for a new band um he's he's really good at what he does and i feel like he just hasn't had his chance yet like six cents is his chance right now um, but as he was looking, a friend of a friend of his messaged him and told him that there was a band in Montreal that was looking for a new vocalist, and they were in that like rap metal slash new metal style. Um, so he auditioned. They sent him two two songs, and he wrote lyrics and vocals, and I helped him out with like some backing vocals just to add like a bit of a melodic um, tone to it because he doesn't sing. He raps, he screams, but he can't sing. Um, so we did that and we sent those two songs in and the songwriter of that band, uh, Bran was really impressed. He really liked it. Um, but he sent him an email, say an email saying that, you know, for this band, he really, he thinks singing is absolutely necessary, um, because it will make the music a lot more digestible. Um, and if you're writing songs that are kind of catchy and easy to follow and groovy you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot not having those catchy choruses you know uh so he was like he asked him how he felt about sharing the vocal duties with another vocalist um i wasn't even mentioned at the time and uh robbie's very he's great to work with but he's very much like i am he's very passionate and very protective of his work and sometimes being in a band with different um, writers, there can be that conflict where, you know, you think a song should be this and that person thinks the opposite and then, then you butt heads and all chaos breaks loose. So his response was basically like, yes, I am open to it, but I don't want just anyone for the job. And what then happened was we wrote a third song and I helped him with the songwriting. That song is Make Believe by the way. And uh, we wrote it in that sort of vibe of like, okay, how would we write the song if we had two vocalists? And he sent that in. 
and they really liked it and they invited me and I thought about it a bit and I said, you know, why the heck not? Um, and then the band started turning into this like completely new thing. So they abandoned the idea of, you know, announcing new vocalists or whatever, and just started a whole new band and we called it Six Sense. What a great story. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I kind of want to talk about, for, forgive the pun, some of your success. Um, <laughs> when, um, you yeah. guys have been blowing up a little bit lately with the new single releases leading up to your upcoming EP. Um, over 45,000 monthly listeners on Spotify. Fools Tomorrow being out one month has over 45,000 views. Feed Them to the Wolves after four days, over 7,000 views. You tweeted about some of these numbers, and it's just really remarkable that a indie band is able to, with no label backing, is able to generate this kind of buzz around their music. So what do you think are some of the inner workings that have led to this success? I think it's a matter of, like, there's no one way to succeed. There's no one path. You know, you, could, you can't tell a band, do this, and it's guaranteed. I think it's about moving all the different needles in a way until, like, something kind of starts working for you. And um, we've, first of all, we're all collectively very experienced. We've done this with multiple bands and projects in the past. No one in this band is really new to it. So I think it's, while it's a brand new band, the experience that we have collectively has been a huge asset. And we, we really care about the quality of what we do. So our songs are really good. Our production is good. Our videos are good. There's nothing throwaway. And I think that's very rare these days, you know, for a brand new band to put out a, a song or an EP or an album and for it to be good you know and um no fillers and i i said this in day one that i want six Sense to be a band that if we were to blow up you know two three four albums down the road that people would go back and listen to our debut music and be like wow they were always good um so we carry that philosophy with us with everything we do and we've really been pushing because times have changed and now it's all about the social media grind and it's all about connecting with the, the audience you have and bringing people in. And uh, we've just really been pushing with the social media every day, posting stuff, uh, every interview or review or reaction that we get, we make sure to share it. We are, you know, we're really grateful for all the feedback we've been getting. And I see it as like a, a mutual, benefit for lack of a better word where it's like i'm taking my time for example to do this interview with you but you're also taking time out of your day to do an interview with me and i i never see interviews as an opportunity that's only on my behalf so it's like i think the industry needs more of that so sort of um what's the word i'm looking for like we're together in this collaborative you know? Maybe? Yeah, collaborative, exactly. Because there are a lot of publications, reaction channels, podcasts that are really good. They're just, they don't have the numbers of these big, you know, bigger podcasts and publications. And I think artists, sometimes they focus too much on, oh, I want, I don't know, 
to be featured on Metal Hammer or I want uh, Loudwire to write about, like all the big, big names. And it's like, well, you're probably not going to get that. Let's work with the little guys. We're little guys. You're little guys. Let's help each other. And let's create a genuine connection because you never know five, 10 years down the road, like we we're in this because we love what we do. And it, it honestly feels really good when I see people enjoying our music. So, you know, this is on the publicity side of things, but then the same, we apply the same exact method with our interactions with our fans, which they're never fans to begin with. It always starts with like, oh, I just checked this video and I loved it, you guys are great. But then you interact and then they check out another song. And then the more they check out, the more they they get hooked and it's it's about that and about showing who you are as a person too which is really important and we're just yeah we're just doing the grind and um yeah <laughs> i don't know <laughs> it's kind of about being part of a community and and yeah. being willing to put yourself out there a little bit as well more so than just putting your music out yes exactly because it's some bands work in that way they have that mystique and that you know they create that internet buzz and they're able to like hide behind a curtain and you know people still like them but i think you need to be mindful of what kind of music you're doing and we're we're saying it's new metal it's not exactly new metal but it's partly new metal but it's fun music and you can tell from our videos we're having fun doing it so our our presence on the internet and how we interact with our community has to follow that vibe like we can't we can't go out here having fun in our videos and then being like mysterious oh we don't talk to our fans you know so right it's it isn't about, the vibe <laughs> exactly yeah and it's all about being honest and genuine i think and i think the music industry lacks a lot of that right now i think there are good bands and there are good artists but how how genuine are some of these interactions i i can't tell you you know it's all about very often i see it's all about thinking about how you're going to get ahead which is very important it's important to me i'm not going to lie but i think it's more important to think how am i going to get ahead and still be true to myself and be genuine about it and be happy you know i have a bit of a question so do you think it's been an advantage or a disadvantage that you're already known for different styles of music that is for promoting this? It's It's been a huge advantage, I think. Uh, I think a few people, when we put out our first song in 2021, a few people were surprised. Uh, yeah. Because I, I had done some covers, of course, but not everyone knows. A lot of people at the time were just following me from The Agonist. So they were like, wow, you're doing this now? Okay. Um, but then, we put out our first our first EP last year, so it was five songs, not just one, and that that's also important. You're building a discography; people aren't just gonna hop on board with one song, you know. Um, so I was doing that, and then I like like we've mentioned uh, we mentioned earlier, I've done a bunch of covers, different genres, different styles. I do my streams where I also showcase that, and I also started doing like um, mini covers on social media where it's just me singing a part of a song instead of doing a full cover and i think that helped as well because then that started getting me a following that had no idea who i was they didn't know about the agonist they didn't know about six sense they they were just like i like this girl's voice so as that's happening my following is more diverse from different places and sources and then we continue with the second dp with six sense and 
that combined with the fact that new metal is also hot right now again i think it's it's really good timing and i also have to say i'm a little overwhelmed with how many people that knew me from the agonist and followed me from the agonist are also really loving six sense as well because it's to me it's like night and day and that was the main reason why at the time i wanted to do this i wanted to show a different side of myself so i feel like the open-mindedness right now that we're having with with the metal audience is is really at peak level the sort of metal elitism like oh you can't do this you can't do that it's really being frowned upon right now so yeah i think all these elements together have have been working for us one small follow-up question on that have you had many complaints from your former band's uh, fans that you're doing this or has it just been mainly smooth because you made it sound like it was smooth <laughs> yeah it's been overwhelmingly smooth so i see yeah i've seen some complaints but i think most people that don't like it they're just not commenting they're not following and that's fine and then there there have been a few where it's just it kind of makes you laugh you know like uh, one person wrote uh on one of the latest videos that i posted like Vicky, just so you know, I support metal, not rap. And Ooh. I was like, oh, okay, good to know. You know, <laughs> just so he wanted to make that very clear. You know, um, I just kind of laugh with that a little bit. You know, I think anyone that has a basic understanding and history of music should know that, first of all, it's hip hop, it's not rap. Rap is a vocal style, it's not the genre, it's hip hop. And hip hop has kind of the same origin as metal music. It's it's for the outcasts, and uh, it's it's funny to me that like so many metal musicians or metal fans don't know this. Maybe they're younger than me. Maybe they think of rap and hip hop of like today, which is nothing like what it used to be. But uh, sometimes you just reply, and you can also like win people over. I remember uh when we put out make believe there were a few people that didn't really get it and didn't really understand why i wanted to do this and over the next few releases i feel like they they were convinced and now they're actually like big six sense fans so yeah <laughs> very cool yeah. now i want to talk a little bit about how you're celebrating your ep release you're doing a couple shows and you mentioned before we got on this recording that um, you're kind of celebrating your both of your EPs with these shows because you didn't have an opportunity to do that before. Can you talk a little bit about how you set this up and what the kind of vision was behind these concerts? Yeah, so for the first EP, it's not that we couldn't have done it, it's just we only had five songs. And to me, playing a show with five songs and then having to fill the rest of your set with covers is not the greatest. Mm, so, yeah. yeah. So we were like, let's wait till we put out the second EP. Let's see how it's going. And uh, before we even knew how this was going, because we started planning these shows in January, I believe, like these days you have to make sure you book your venue far in advance. And even with a sound guy, we weren't even able to find a sound guy so many months in advance. So we're fingers crossed that the house guy is really good. Uh, thankfully, our music isn't that difficult to mix. And uh, yes, anyhow, we we were talking about, I don't even know how the idea started exactly. I think it might have been Robbie that had this idea. And we were like, okay, we have two EPs. 
by now we have some leftover merch from the first cycle. We're printing out new merch here. Um, back then I also knew that the agonist announcement was going to come up. I didn't know when, but I knew that it was happening. So I also knew that uh, at the time, I wasn't sure if we would still do the summer festivals, like that was still on the table. But regardless of that, I didn't know what would happen beyond that. So I, like, I had this like fire inside me that like, I don't know when my next shows are going to be. So I want to do this. And it, it also felt really awesome to be able to, to have this um, planned and scheduled in Montreal at Turbo House, which is it's, it's a really cool space where a lot of our friends just hang out regularly. So it just, it felt really right, you know, and everyone else was on board. And um, uh, what did I want to say? Oh, the thing that I couldn't have predicted, uh, we announced the shows in February, I think, because we wanted to give people a, a heads up. And, uh, or was it March? Anyways, it was, I think, March, three months in advance. The thing that blew my mind was how many people from outside of Montreal went and bought tickets right away. And like we have people coming from California, from Seattle, from the UK. Um, it's it's just insane. I, like, wow. I, yeah. <laughs> like I knew some people were going to come, but I did not expect that. And it's I'm really looking forward to it because it's like I have these community members coming i have all the friends that i've made over the years in montreal um my bandmates family as well and um i think like my former bandmates and the agonist are also coming as well because we're we're really like we parted on good terms everything's cool so i think it's going to be a really emotional experience uh i i do expect to cry on stage so <laughs> we'll just see how it goes but i'm really looking forward to it What's the secret to controlling your singing voice while you're crying? Oh, you just pause for a second. Because <laughs> I think if you try to push through it as you're crying, like your your voice gets shaky and wobbly. So you just, I think the secret is just like pausing, smiling, just being like, one second, let me get through this. Um, it's never happened to me during a song though. So I don't, I don't really know. It's, okay. I have cried on Fair. stage, but Fair. it's happened like as the song ended. And uh, I think that too comes with experience. Like you are able to hold those emotions in. Your body knows. Exactly. Yeah. And then when you're done, you're like, I did it. It's like a, a relief. And like that release also like allows for the crying to happen. Um, I want to ask about your artwork, actually. Um, I was looking at the artwork. It's so cool. It looks like it's real like paintings. I'm not sure if it's actual digital painting or physical paintings, but can you tell me a little bit about the art style that you've gone with for the Sixth Sense artwork and yeah. why? It's the the real physical paintings. Uh, I, I actually had no idea when I was in Montreal last year. Uh, I saw the Kings Today EP artwork. I thought, you know, the, the CD is like this big. I thought it was a small painting. The thing is like the size yeah. of like, I can't like, it's huge. It's massive. I had no idea. And I remember at the time when we were waiting for it, we were like, it's taking quite long. Why is it taking so long? Then I saw the size of it. I was like, wow, this is so cool. Um, so yeah, that was, we first got the idea 
2018 or 2019 because because we recorded these songs end of 2019 and we were going to put them out in 2020 but then the pandemic happened and it would just be suicidal in a sense to put out brand new music brand new band in the middle of a pandemic so we waited um but yeah i think we we got that idea uh in 2018 the artist is um well, you can find her name online. I've been probably going to butcher it. Alexandra Morozova, I believe. Um, and uh, yeah, she's uh, our guitarist's wife. And she oh, had wow. done. Yeah. So she had done pieces of art before for his other projects and stuff like that. So um, we looked at like different uh, pieces on her like Instagram and socials and stuff like that. And uh, it's just very unique. Like we we know nothing about art. We, you know, I wouldn't even know what to call that style. I'm completely clueless. Yeah, I don't know either. I think it's yeah. very cool. It's like yeah. kind of carnival, whimsical, yeah. but dark. Exactly. Yeah. And I felt like it had all these like conflicting emotions looking at it, which kind of is what our music is about too. So it just made, it made a lot of sense, you know, it just fit really well. And, uh, What's what's funny about that is I could probably find it, but I have like these like chicken drawings that Robbie did to give her as a reference. We all have those. Yeah. <laughs> it's just to see the before and after, it's like, ah, she knows what she's doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah, I think I've had I've seen some bands actually share their their like little chicken scratch mock-ups yeah. of what they wanted with the finished artwork it's yeah. cool to see the before and after I don't know if every band feels comfortable doing that though <laughs> yeah like I couldn't I couldn't even do the chicken drawing version because like I'm just terrible at drawing like I can maybe try and explain it with words visually what I'm seeing but I can't like as good as I am with music and lyrics that's that's a skill that I just do not have <laughs> yeah yeah well you know we can't be good at everything mm -hmm. Vicky so mm -hmm. <laughs> I want to um, just ask about merch really quickly yeah. if we could um so those designs are pretty unique at times um how did you kind of come up with the different designs and ideas for what you got yeah so that was again uh a friend of ours brad brad geyer uh have known him a long long time and he's he's not a prof like he doesn't do this professionally but he draws as a hobby he designs stuff and um we just again it just kind of happened in the beginning we needed a t-shirt for the first uh release and it was called kings today so we're like hey brad can you kind of create something with our mascot belly the bear and just put a crown on his head and like i think that could be a cool first t-shirt and uh he did that we loved it then he actually took a lead on his own and created a um a hoodie for us which is really cool it has like the little bears on the sleeves and like a crown and a king's today thing so then that was for that cycle and then for this ep we pretty much knew already like what we wanted so we were like okay here's our music video can you make a design based on that again we're just running with it we're just taking deli the bear and just putting him on all our merch and it it's great <laughs> it's on because one of the hardest things is thinking of merch ideas and when you have a, a mascot in your band it just makes things so much easier i noticed you have on your vip access that you can actually meet him at the show yeah he's gonna be there 
Interesting. <laughs> very, very interesting. Um, one last merch question I have is, um, is are the CDs going to be like a limited release or? Uh, well, we, I, I guess we okay. actually just got, oh, we took them upstairs. They were here two days ago. Uh, they just came in on Saturday. We actually had to print a few more from Kings today because we sold out okay. and, uh, with knowing that we have the shows coming up, you know, a lot of people buy stuff in person. So we printed more Kings today and the fools tomorrow CDs. We printed 200 copies. So, uh, we'll see how it goes, but I don't. I don't foresee us printing anymore unless we have like a tour opportunity or something like that in the future. Fair enough. Yeah. I think it's good chances that you might sell out of those, but we'll see. <laughs> I hope so. Pre-orders yeah. are doing pretty well so far. Awesome. Uh, and I know a bunch of people that just haven't pre-ordered because they're coming to the shows. Right. It's just, uh, and then some people wait, they don't want to pre-order. So they wait until it's out, but I'm fairly confident We'll do, we'll do all right. Yeah. Actually, since this is a business podcast, I'm going to just quickly follow that up. Uh, how did you come up with the number 200 to print instead of like, some ads will do way too many. I mean, obviously you've yeah. been around, so you know not to do that. But how did you kind of come up with 200 as being yeah. the number? Well, 100 is the minimum, I believe you can yep. do. Mm -hmm. And then the next price break is at 300. <laughs> And again, at the time that we were printing, like putting in the order was months ago. So I, I felt like 200 was a safe number at 300. The price break really wasn't worth it to be like, if you only sell 150, but you order 300, you're kind of basically breaking even, you know, and I didn't want that. And realistically, even though the band is do, doing really well right now and we're getting some traction, even if we do get a tour opportunity, it's not going to be anytime soon. So I felt like let's do 200, let's be safe. And if something big happens, then honestly, money won't be a problem. If we're about to go on a huge tour, then who cares? Let's print more CDs, you know? Yeah. And they're pretty fast to make too. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, one other quick question on that, Vicky. Uh, what was, how come you didn't print any cassette or vinyl with it? Is it, was it just money or? Uh, I didn't even look into it, to be honest with okay. you. Uh, I think because, yeah, we are independent. Uh, we, I know that vinyl has been quite difficult. Yeah. Uh, maybe things are better now than they were like a couple of years ago. We do have an idea in the future. We would like to do a, like, put both, put both EPs and do a Kings Today, Fools Tomorrow vinyl as a collector's. Uh, so that's still on the table, but we would only do that if the band, you know, were to grow yeah. and put out a limited run and, you know, know that we could sell all of them. Yeah. Makes sense. Just curious on that. Yeah. Cool. So we are getting close to running out of time. I want to ask a couple more questions and you're coming from a place of being an independent band and you know what it's like to be on a label as well. Can you sort of speak to what are maybe the benefits of being an independent band versus being on a label? The main ben benefit of being independent is that you're literally calling all the shots. Uh, you don't have to rely on anyone, really. You still have to do, like when I order CDs, for example, I'm still relying on the company that I ordered and things could go wrong. For example, the CDs came in, there was a dent in one box, we went through all the CDs, 10 of them were broken, so which means I have to send an email, 
and make sure we get refunded or sent replacement stuff like that. So it's a lot more work, but it's it's a direct line of communication with my label or with any label. You would have to for anything you talk to one of the different people that works in different fields in the label and then you have to wait on that person to talk to someone else that could be just a chain of command you know and that can cause immense delays sometimes especially if you're not the label's like main priority if you're not one of their top bands it you know it's it can be frustrating and also sometimes you know mistakes happen especially if uh like there's no i i don't think there's a problem with labels as a whole i just think that as with any company or business certain people are better at their job than others and when you get signed to a label you don't exactly get to um ask who your team is you know the label just tells you here's your a and r here's your pr person this is for distribution like and you just have to deal with these people and sometimes they're not all great at what they do so being independent at least you get to call the shots if you want to hire someone you can so i can still get a pr agent myself i just you know bypass the label and hire someone that's like independent yeah like um, us yeah so it's just it's a lot more work but you get to call the shots you own all the royalties to your songs so like if a song were to go viral or something like that you'd be collecting all the money so there are there are a lot of benefits the downside is the same <laughs> same thing as the upside i guess it's a lot of work it's a lot of work and there's no guarantee there no, but there i feel like this day and age there's no guarantee with labels either it's just like you're you're either going to get lucky or you're not. And I would say maybe the only benefit with labels, well, there's two benefits. The, the one one benefit is clout, just to be honest with you, just that even though you can do everything today independently, people still see the whole, oh, this is a signed band as like a like a stamp of approval, you know, so it is kind of necessary in that sense and the second thing is the touring opportunities that could come from that because sometimes you do see tour packages that are put together and all the bands are from the same label for example or just the connections that you make through that label because they know people uh like a good very good example with spotify with six cents we got lucky once with king's day it got featured on uh, two editorials and that was the only time and since then nothing whereas i feel like if it was through a label and a big label and someone from the label was submitting it then whoever's working at spotify would be like oh this is coming from so and so let me check it out whereas i feel like when you're unsigned you you send it you uh you submit your song to get on playlists and I just think there's a high chance that they don't even listen to it because they don't know who it's coming from. So there are downsides, of course, but at the same time, I don't think it's worth like selling your soul and all your rights and your sanity and your peace of mind to just say that you're signed. It has to be the right deal and it has to be the right label for you. One one small comment. It's kind of funny that you say that because I mean, you're obviously already known and you're still having those struggles. <laughs> yeah yeah well <laughs> it's 
we have this uh this joke in my community that like i'm gonna print merch i am gonna do this it's gonna say forever underrated um <laughs> <laughs> i i do believe it's true and i i you know not to toot my own horn too much but i i do think that a lot of stuff that i have done are criminally under underrated and i just i hope that that's not the case with six sense i hope that the traction that we're getting right now actually leads to something because i i believe that the hardest thing in this day and age is just getting your music in front of people and having them listen to it that's the hardest thing and you're competing with a lot of not just music right now just noise like like people turn on their phone they go on TikTok or instagram or whatever and they're watching videos and there's all these different videos that pop up you know animal videos pimple popping videos of skits dancing like all these different forms of entertainment and you're lucky if you can grab someone's attention for like five seconds you know so this is your competition but what i'm saying is that when someone actually gives six cents like 10 20 30 seconds they actually do really like it. So that's why we're really doing the social media grind because at the end of the day, that's the only thing that's truly like in our power. And that's a great, a great place to end it. I think I wanted to, for a lighthearted note, yeah. uh, perhaps, could you give us a quick origin story on Delhi the bear? <laughs> Delhi the bear. It's, it's hard to explain. I know like we're pretty, we're pretty, uh, like, like I said, very um, uh, outgoing and connecting with fans and stuff like that. Whereas like Delhi's like more of a mystique, a mystery. He's um, mystique. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he's, it's not uh, similarly to everything else I said today, not something we intentionally wanted. It kind of happened. Uh, and it happened that we needed a mascot and we kind of came across Delhi the bear. And it just started working really well because we were like, well, it worked here. Let's implement him in the next thing and the next thing. And then it just kind of took a life of its own. <laughs> um, yeah, I think he if you want to look at it from the more poetic side there, we utilize him in ways that there is a deeper meaning. Um, and there is like, if you, if you look at our music videos and how he's portrayed and the things he's doing, and there is a deeper meaning there. And uh, it's, it's great to be able to do that with a mascot, with someone that's not in the band or external actors or stuff like that to still get a message across because some of our songs lyrically are, they're quite deep, they're quite serious. We didn't really talk about that on the podcast, but as fun as our music and our presentation is, our lyrics are actually kind of the opposite. It's just that we believe that we can talk about this heavy, serious stuff, but we don't also need to be heavy and serious. We just want to have fun. And um, sometimes, you know, getting that message across through music video can be really hard. And we're not, especially when you're independent, you don't have this huge budget and to hire actors and a crowd and locations and stuff like that. Like, we're not going to do that. So sometimes having Delhi can really help get that message across for someone that's really paying attention. Very good. Well, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today, Vicki. And everyone listening, make sure to pre-order um, the new EP, Fools Tomorrow, coming out June 11th. 
And uh, yeah, thanks again for coming on. Thank you for having me. This was awesome. Hell yeah. Everyone listening, thank you for listening. And until next time, make like a bull and throw those horns up. If you enjoyed this podcast, please help spread the word by following or subscribing to us, recommending it to your friends, or leaving us a review on your platform of choice. Thank you for listening to Heavy Business, brought to you by C-Squared Music.